Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're discussing No More Heroes. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. First up we have Trevor. What's going on? What's up man? Uh, next we have Dante. What's up? What's up? What's going on? And last but not least we got the homie Greg. What up? What's going on? Um, it is uh, Greg's game for the month of May, so I'm going to kick it to him so he can introduce the game. All right, so I picked uh, No More Heroes, and the reason why I picked this was uh, I was a fan of the previous uh, Suda 51 game that we did, or we picked, which was Killer 7. And uh, I originally played this when it came out on the Wii, but didn't get too far into it, so figured it'd be a uh, good time to dig back into it. <clears throat> so... No More Heroes is an action game that was developed by Grasshopper. Uh, the game was directed, designed, and written by Goichi Suda, also known as Suda51. Uh, players are put in the shoes of Travis Touchdown, who becomes involved in the United Assassins Association and is forced to kill high-ranked assassins in order to get to number one. No More Heroes was known as Project Heroes when it was in its early stages, and it was initially planned as a 360 game uh, until producer... Yeah, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Yasuhiro Ueda suggested to Suda to move development over to the Wii because of its unique controls. A number of films, actors, and music have inspired Suda's 51 design, uh, Suda 51's design for No More Heroes. Uh, besides the title coming from the UK punk band The Stranglers' 1977 album of the same name, the structure of the United Assassins Association is based on the film El Topo, which features a smaller, albeit small, uh, oh, a smaller ranking system. Uh, Travis Touchdown and his antics are based on Johnny Knoxville of Jackass and wrestler Josh Barnett, uh, who also served as the persona from which the Destroy Man character was created. Uh, other character influences include Scarlett Johansson as the UAA's uh, Sylvia, Ian Curtis, who's a punk band singer, as Travis's twin brother Henry. Uh, Charles Bronson as Assassin uh, Dr. Peace, and Genichiro Tenryu as Travis's mentor Thunder Ryu. Uh, the game takes place in a fictional city called Santa Destroy, which is based on San Diego. Uh, no More Heroes was released for the Wii in Japan on December 6, 2007, and in North America on January 22, 2008, and was positively received across multiple publications. Uh, reviewers praise its unique story and gameplay, sense of humor, satisfying game progression, intuitive controls, and catchy and distinctive soundtrack. In 2009, Famitsu revealed that No More Heroes would receive a port for the PS3 and Xbox 360 titled No More Heroes, Heroes Paradise. The game featured updated graphics but lacked motion control on Xbox 360. The ports were released in Japan on April 15, 2010, and the PS3 version uh, was released in North America on August 16, uh, 2011, featuring PlayStation Move support. Over 10 years later, after its original release, the game was made available for the Nintendo Switch via eShop. Uh, Engine Software assisted with the port, which was the studio who helped with the PC port of Killer7 a few years back. Although the game fared well review-wise, it didn't prove to be a, f a financial success for its publisher, Ubisoft. But despite this, the game was developed a fan base and eventually had its sequel announced in October 2008. And that's my intro. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I had looked up uh, a little bit about the OG, the game on the Wii. Um, do you remember much about it? Uh, a little bit. Like what? 
<laughs> uh, as far as like how it played, or like, yeah, yeah, because so, I, I was curious how how it was different. Because obviously the motion controls, but like what exactly, if you remember anything, uh, did they all do? Because I can assume, and I, and I have something up, but I was just curious if you could talk, talk us through it. The only thing I remember different, I mean. When I played it, it was only like maybe a couple hours worth. Uh, but you know that game had motion controls, so you know obviously, uh, you know you would the motions that you would use to finish off enemies were like you know Wiimote strikes basically. Um, but as far as that, as far as combat, I think it was mostly just button until you got to that point. Then you would do the motion. Um, and I don't remember I did any of the uh, mini game stuff, so I can't remember if if uh, that stuff had motion controls like heavily you know implemented into it. Gotcha. So did you have to do like the if you wanted to do a horizontal versus a vertical strike? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. okay. And, and I, I know you had to do to, re- too. to recharge your beam too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget about that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Dante, do you have a background with No More Heroes? Yeah. So I and I guess we'll go ahead and say. I think everybody aside from me played the Switch re-release, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, did. I did. And yeah. I know Trevor did too. Yep. Okay. So I don't know when I purchased it, but I got the PS3 No More Heroes Heroes Paradise version, which, um, as Greg mentioned, it has updated graphics um, and a couple other changes that I guess I'll get into as we go through the game. But I think I got to it maybe like five years ago or so. That sounds about right. And then I did end up playing No More Heroes 2, apparently. like So I have a list of every game I've pretty much owned and completed on Giant Bomb. And I literally just had to check and see if I had the complete or non-complete check next to No More Heroes 2. Because allegedly I've completed it, but I have zero recollection of it whatsoever. It was a blur. It really was. <clears throat> um, do you? Um, what about you, Trevor? Do you have any background? So I remember, um, kind of vaguely, one of my friends came over uh, while I was living in Jacksonville at the time, and they brought their Wii, and they pulled out this game, and it was. Um, no more heroes. And I'm like, okay, I've seen the cover art for this. It looks interesting. Like I like the art style. Um, and then they started playing it, and I saw them like shaking the the Wii remote like to recharge. And and I was like, man, this game is is pretty weird. And this was of course before I played Killer Seven, so I had no, uh, you know, um, experience with the um, that particular developer. But um. But yeah, I never played it myself, but I watched them play the game for a while, and um, and it seemed interesting, but I never got into it. Was it their first time playing it, or were they just like a fan of the series, or do you... I don't remember. Um, yeah, well, it was just one of those nights where we usually played Smash, but one day they were like, hey, um, let me let me finish playing this game, because I'm almost done. Let me show you how, my sh- how I shake my Weaver remote. <laughs> Um, well, I have no background with this. I actually, I had read a review about this game uh, recently, and it was like, this is one of those games where everybody swears it's a fun game, but you don't know anybody that's played it, <laughs> you know? 
It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I had no idea Dante. I mean, until we we played it, it's just not like a game that I feel like people and fans of the game talk about to an extent. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, have you guys I ever mean, had I a can, conversation can, with somebody about this franchise? I only even so I only even uh, remember a lot about this game um, when it was like right before it came out because. I used to watch a lot of the one up show and like all their videos. And I feel like they talked about this so much either on the podcast or like, I think they, they made a video about it too, but yeah, that's the only reason I even was kind of aware of it at the time. And yeah, I guess I just through just osmosis heard about it either through what, what year did this game come out? The Wii version? I think it was 2008. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think if Giant Bomb talked about it at all, or wasn't that like the very, I, very beginning of Giant Bomb? It depends on Giant Bomb was like summer 2008. This game, so, I'm trying to look what the Wii version is. Yeah. It was if not January, I, 2008. January 2008. January, so that was probably after. But I also did listen to the um, One Up Yours podcast back in the day, and I'm pretty sure they probably talked about it. So. That's probably how I initially got it, but I kind of feel like this is in a Mega Man Battle Network type of um, clout circle where, like, if you know somebody that knows about it, you'd talk to them about it, but otherwise it's probably not just going to come out out of the blue. That's fair. That's fair. It's weird because I, I do remember when we posted, or I posted about playing Killer7 on my own personal Facebook page, People were like, "Oh, you guys should play Killer or No More Heroes. That, that's that should be the that's the Grasshopper game you should be playing or the Pseudo Fifty One game." So it's like people, because I think I made a comment like Killer Seven is weird, and they're like, "Well, if you think that's weird, and you know, like those kind of comments." Um, but that that was the first time I had ever like heard anybody talk about it really, um, because I I didn't start listening to the Bombcast until like twenty ten. And, um, like, I'm very much like Trevor, where the I knew what the cover, the box art looked, because I've seen it at GameStop all the time, but that was about it. Um, so let's get into the game. So, um, the game kind of, I think if you let the, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the opening scene will play when you start the game, but it's also like... The opening scene, if you just stay at the the menu screen of the game as well, and it basically it's Travis kind of narrating. He's basically saying like he's basically down on his luck. He's um, pretty broke. He needs to find a job. He needs to get some money. And the reason why is because he met this cute girl at the bar, and he spent his last uh, couple of bucks, you know, g- getting her drinks or whatever, and. Um, then he goes and says, like, oh, well, she tells me about an opportunity to join the, is it the UAA? Is the, what is called, right? Yeah. United, yeah, United Assassins Association. And she basically, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, he, he, uh, he spends all his money on video games and wrestling videos because he's a huge, like, anime and wrestling nerd. He meets this girl, spends more money or the the remainder of his uh last few dollars and um on this girl and he's down on his luck and he she basically offers him a job through the uaa to kill 
this person named Helter Skelter, also known as the Drifter, and he's like ranked the number eleven in the uh, UAA's association, the governing body of assassins, and um, he takes her up on the offer because he needs to make some money and he's desperate and he ends up killing the guy and making some money. And then that's, uh, the, from then on, he, he the girl's like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you about your next, uh, job. And, uh, at this point, I think you can see that Travis is kind of like a sleazy, I guess you could say kind of guy, because he's like, I will definitely do this. And if I get to number one, will you sleep with me? And that was kind of like the, um, I had, I wrote the quote down. If, if I become number one, will you do it with me? (laughs) This is that quote. (laughs) Um, and you know, she says, sure, why not? You know, um, and, uh, if you can, if you can make it there. So she's like this, uh, her name is Sylvia and she's French. So she's like seductive or whatever. And, um, you, you like know there's more than me CI with her. And uh, basically, that starts the game off. So you're ranked number 11th, and you need to, uh, you wake up to a fax from the UAA that's basically saying, hey, you're registered, or um, in order to register for the fight to kill the 10th ranked assassin, you have to have this much money. And so at that point, then you have to get do odd jobs and whatnot in order to uh, earn the money in order to. Uh, register to for the fight and that will take us to the gameplay so um should we let's start with the let's start with the open world aspect actually so you basically you you leave your motel you're like in a you know kind of traditional stereotypical like you know uh california uh motel sleazy motel and that's where you're living and um you have this motorcycle uh, that you can ride, and you basically, it, it's almost the open world part of the game kind of reminded me of Crazy Taxi and Grand Theft Auto. So it's like very, very colorful, like Crazy Taxi. I but get you have like, same vibe. you had the mini, the mini, um, like the mini map of GTA with the waypoints and like the different, uh, uh, icons and whatnot to, to, to distinguish different shops and everything. But I, uh, yeah. What, what was your guys' vibe with the, the, your, your, uh, with the open world aspect of the game? Like what was your guys' read on it? Um, like as far as like, if we liked it or just if you liked it and some of the types of things, like what did it, did it make you think of anything like that? I didn't mention or is, you know, like, no, I mean, that kind of is, I mean, it gives you that vibe that you're saying, um, I mean, I guess the, the only thing that was kind of weird to me is like, I felt like there wasn't for an open world, there wasn't enough to do in it, I guess. It, it just kind of, I mean, you had, uh, basically the same type of missions, uh, to kind of do over and over. Um, but like, it's just not really a whole lot other than just collecting, uh, you know, the, the balls, which are the. Uh, which are one of the collectibles, and then you can start digging for money, uh, I guess, once you level up your beam katana, but it's kind of not a whole lot going on in the world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Marcus. Um, like, when I first started playing, I was just like, man, this... Like, once I got in your vehicle, which you drive kind of like a motorcycle-type thing. Yeah. Um, 
And as soon as I got into it, I was just like, oh, this is like Crazy Taxi. Um, but running around, my first thought was, okay, this kind of looks like GTA. And a police cop, a police car just pulled up. Let me not mess with it. And then eventually I figured out, oh, life they, don't, lessons. They, they don't do anything to you. Um, not life lessons. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, and just to kind of comment on Greg, what Greg said, um, yeah, it's an open world, but there's nothing really to do in between like you driving from point A to point B and I don't want to get too far ahead, but like Greg said, there's not a lot to do in it. It's, it just feels like you're, you, you see a lot of it because you have to drive around a lot. Yeah. Or you have to you have to drive in long spans. Like every time you go somewhere, it's it's like on the other side of the map. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, I wish there was more to do there because I don't know. It definitely had that that GTA feel. Uh, like once you walk out of your apartment and you step onto the street, time to bust some heads. <laughs> so so I feel like I feel you guys. I do, but I'm wondering if. I, I was trying to think of like open world games and you know the games that were out in 2008 to try to like put it in perspective because I agree by a lot of good ones. Y- yeah, like I, I know I know Grand Theft Auto uh, Four was out at that point. I think it came out in 2007 or eight. I think so. It was around the same time. And I, I like the thing is is that I, I guess I'm only thinking about Grand Theft Auto and like uh, Saints Row. And um, I didn't think this. Lo- I don't think this open world was too expansive. That there was like, uh, like you're driving for a long time in between, you know, things and whatnot. Uh, but I, I will agree that it doesn't necessarily feel like lived in in this. You know, like you can. I mean, you when you run into obstacles, whether it's like a, a row of mailboxes or like. Um, a fence or a, a stop stoplight or whatever. It has like a very like like you just knocked over a piece of cardboard, like a, a prop, like on a, a a theater set or something. It just kind of falls and then fades away uh, when you run over people, whether purposely or not. Like they just you you kill them and they like just fade away and like like Trevor said, like the cops, there are police officers and whatnot, but they don't react to you doing that. So it just very it it does seem very uh uh empty, I, I guess hollow in a sense. And and um, honestly, I really wouldn't even consider this like an open world game. Like I know you're just referring yeah. to like the open world like section, like mm-hmm. where you, which is the world, but everything like whenever you go to do missions you know it loads you up into a different area that's like separate from and you don't have the same abilities in this world that you would if you were in a combat area yeah yeah i have a i have a lukewarm take that i want to hold on to for later on this because i don't think it's like eye-opening or whatever but it was just like when i read something about this game it made me think about it in a different way and then i had a different perspective on my feelings about this game um, can i go ahead and give my take about the open world part yeah it shouldn't be there really yeah. no it's terrible it's yeah. dude i can't i literally cannot think of a worse controlling freaking hub world 
than this game. It makes me so mad how bad that motorcycle is. It doesn't even move like an actual car. You're like literally going into these weird, like, they're not even lanes as in like the roads that you're going into, but if you hit left or right, it shifts you over like you're doing like some type of like football move instead of actually driving a vehicle. And then when you get stuck on something, it's next to impossible to get yep. off of it without literally <laughs> oh getting off the bike yeah, and yeah. calling this dude to fix your freaking alignment. Um, it makes me so mad. Part of me feels like, and I wouldn't be surprised, I didn't really do any deep digging on this, but part of me feels like Suda just included that as like kind of like a joke of like, oh, it's in every other game, let me just put it in here just as like a, oh, you know, it'd be funny, you know, like just make it an open world or whatever. And that literally has nothing to do, I mean, nothing really to do in it. It's kind of lifeless. kind of lifeless. And the and fact that the fact in the second game, uh, they got rid of it altogether. You could just fast travel. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was something I wanted to bring up. Uh, so, I, I think it was game. probably... I, I think that might have been what it is, but I never in really the way, actually looked it up. And I, I'm, I'm completely on board with what you're saying. Like, And we'll get into it later with some of the things in this game, but this game is kind of a medic commentary on games in a lot of ways, and... The um, the parody aspect of other games being like, oh, well, hey, you need to do these um, side hustles or mini games to, you know, progress the story. They take that to the largest logical extreme possible. And like Greg was saying, the whole open worldness of this game seems like a parody. And I'm sure it is now that I'm saying it, but... Just because it's a parody does not make it good. Oh yeah, no, I totally. <laughs> I, I'm with so, you. So, so I didn't mind the open world aspects of this game. Um, like, uh, just kind of hitting on some of the things. Like, it has the, the 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 normal things. So you're driving to your little side missions that you have to do to make money. They have like a little store that you can go to to buy clothes to customize how your character looks. They have like some other like you can go to the gym and. Um, you can kind of, you know, upgrade your character by lifting weights or doing squats or whatever. You have um, a video store that you can go to to watch old wrestling tapes to learn new wrestling moves. Um, you have a place that you can go to to kind of upgrade your uh, your weapon. And I guess what I'm hearing from you guys is that if it was just like, oh, I'm in the between... Uh, you complete a mission, then you go to the, okay, uh, this is the between mission part. You want to upgrade your character now, or you want to hop into the next mission? Is that what you guys were thinking or so, wishing they could do instead? Well, what they were saying was they just wish there was more to do. What I'm saying is, you know how when you go to the motel, there's like seven different drop-down things that you can do? Yeah. yeah. One of those would just be like Subaki or whatever her name was for the katana and like Jim. And then there would be one at gotcha, the top that says, gotcha. like, go to next mission. Gotcha. Either that or even just giving people the option to fast travel versus driving would. And, but then maybe that would have just brought up a thing of like, well, why would I ever drive if I could just fast travel? But I guess you still have collectibles, right? So like that could yeah. still be incentive for exploring. But I, I think, I mean, I really, I, I, it's weird. Go ahead and say you got a hundred percent. No, I, I, I got all the, I got all the balls. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that, um, I enjoyed the open world part because it was a break from the part of the game I didn't care for. Wow. Just go ahead and tell us how you really feel. Oh, that is, is that please tell me that's a hot take. It it it's I I okay. 
we we can keep going. We can keep going. Um, so some of the other things that you do in this is you know you're taking side missions and, and jobs, and uh, it kind of sucks in the beginning because well really the entire time because you have to do these really really menial labor jobs that are deliberately designed to be tedious and boring to kind of mimic and imitate how it is in real life. So like, it's like, Oh, you have to get these, pick up these coconuts and take them to this guy's stand that's selling uh, coconut juice or whatever, coconut water. You have to wash, um, graffiti off walls. You have to collect scorpions to clear out this field. You have to mow lawns. You have to catch these cats. You have to, um, what is another, what are some, I think that's got to pick up landmines. Yeah, pick deactivate or pick up landmines and like so these all these jobs are kind of like silly and like this game overall has a really really silly just vibe and aesthetic. Um the frustrating thing though was with these side jobs, they didn't really grant you too too much money. So like you're doing a job and it's like um oh, if you do this job, you're going to make like 30 or 40,000 dollars. But, oh, in order to, you know, for example, for the 10th rank fight, I think it cost $100,000 or $150,000 or whatever the currency is in order to, I think it was LBs, so LBs, in order to um, sign up for that. So you're having to do multiple jobs in between missions in order to be able to sign up for the next, you know, assassination contract or whatever you want to call it. So it gets very uh, tedious. One of the things, though, is that once you um, do a side job, then you have these uh, assassination missions, which are um, a little bit more higher profile. So they like you have to kill a specific target or you have to kill a specific amount of people and um, uh, within the time limit or, or and just things like that. And they're all pretty tedious as well but it, it like it gives you an opportunity to practice your combat and like to actually play the game and um those also oftentimes you, you earned more money doing those too but you had to have that initial like you had to jump through the hoop of doing a menial job in order to unlock more of the assassin missions um did you guys end up um and obviously, because of just the nature of this game and this type of game, you got a rank on it. So, you know, you, gold, silver, or bronze rank, depending on how well you did. Um, did you guys end up knocking out all the side missions and or uh, assassination missions? I did all the side missions, and I think I finished all but one. Uh, I, well, I guess I did do... Yeah, I did all the assassination missions. I was trying to think. I just, I think I just didn't get gold on one of them, but... Gotcha. And you said no, Dante. Like once you found the ones that got you enough money, you were like, "I'm good." Yeah, I was 100 percent path of least resistance. I didn't care if I got bronze, silver, or gold. I literally went to Game Facts at some point and just said, "Which one of these is going to get me the most money?" And they're the like, "Quickest." They do this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Trevor? Yep, I pretty much did what Dante did. Um, I just found. I didn't even look it up online because throughout the game. I only had two assassination gigs unlocked because I wasn't doing the jobs. So uh, I was yeah. basically grinding that same one oh. all the way wow. up until like, I think I was ranked four or five. And then that was when y'all told me, oh yeah, you got to do the jobs in order to unlock 
yeah, um, assassination yeah. gigs. And so once I did that, um, I found like one or two other assassination gigs that gave a lot of money mm-hmm. and just did those. Yeah. It, it was something like there was, I think overall, by the time you're done, there was 10 menial, like boring jobs. And then there was 20 assassination missions. So every time you did one menial job, you would unlock two new assassination ones. Um, so, uh, and then they were varied, but like for the most part, like it, it was just like throwing more enemies at you or like more difficult enemies or like there was like different requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys do any of those? Uh, I don't know what they were called. The, the, the M logos. Yeah. Where you, you basically, you couldn't take, you, you couldn't take uh, more than one hit and you had to clear out like a, a section of a, of the open world um, with a, uh, Usually it was like eight to ten people you had to kill without taking any damage, and then you would win money that way too. Did you guys do those? Uh, I did a lot of them. I mean, I hated them at first. Like, I mean, I guess I never really enjoyed them, but I just did them out of like, oh, what's like pretty easy Practicing to get combat money. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I particularly enjoyed them, but I did them, and the more I played it, the better I got at them. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the same way, and I think that was something that I did enjoy about the. Uh, the open world aspect is it allowed them to experiment with some of the uh i guess it's, it's not necessarily like the open world it was necessary but um like oh like i i, I did the one where you had to fight those people on the basketball court oh yeah so like I, that was one of my favorite ones um to do and then there was some where you were like revisiting some previous uh, uh locations uh that you had played during like the game but like I, I like to go into the new locations and like trying to fight people in a new spot did you do those trevor and dante no not cause you, did you not like i'm surprised you didn't do them because that seems like something that's right up your alley as far as like it's like a almost like a challenge mode where it's like a combat challenge and it's a little bit more fun than just doing menial jobs mm-hmm. I tried one of them. I got hit, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to waste my time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it. It really taught me how to use the, um, I guess, the slowdown mode, basically. So, like, that's the only way I like. If it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have gotten like that much into the combat, to be honest. We talking about the slowdown mode? Oh, you, you the know, dodge? Yeah. Oh, the the yeah. last second dodge. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. like okay. once you do that, it I thought you were just so saying weird. like there was a button that you could do to activate. I'm like, nah. what? <laughs> nah, yeah. Well, once you yeah, dodge yeah, or whatever, it puts you in slow mode. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the, and we haven't gotten to contact combat yet, but that is kind of one of my big gripes. That specifically, I don't think they mentioned that during the tutorial. I think everything else they pretty much mentioned, but specifically like. They tell you about the evade, but they don't tell you about the like using the left stick to dodge. Yeah. Um, well, we can get into combat. All right. What's up? So, um, I think the combat in this game is relatively straightforward. So, I'm going to be saying the switch controls, uh, but I'm assuming it's the the same for PS3. But um, you have your on the face buttons. You have um, um, you have uh, the Y button is like a, ver- a horizontal slash. You have the uh, X button, which is a uh, vertical slash, and then you have two. What are they called in the game? Like beat attacks or uh, 
do you remember what they're called, Dante? I think the formal term is beat attack, but I always just call them stun attacks because that's what they do. And they're just basically two melee, two different melee attacks that are for the A and B button. And um, basically, uh, the opponents, like the the normal enemy fodder, they... uh, Oh, and the other thing, too. It's a... uh, So the Y button is a a horizontal low attack. And then the uh, um, X is a vertical high attack. So it... it, um, you have to attack the opponent in the section they're not blocking. Otherwise, they'll, you know, if they're blocking high, you need to attack them low. Uh, and the same thing with the beat attacks. The uh, A button is a high beat attack, and then the uh, B button is a low beat attack. So it's just to, if they're, um, you can either attack them while they're blocking, or you can beat them. And when you do beat, then it like stuns them and it allows you to hit them for more damage with your sword. Or you can uh, do like a, because Travis is a huge wrestling fan. So you can uh, hit the button again to do like a, a unique wrestling move, just depending on what side of the body of they are. Um, so um, beyond that, you have a, your katana. It's, it's basically like a lightsaber. It's called the beam katana. Um, and it has a charge bar that uh it basically runs on batteries so the more attacks you do um the the quicker the bar recharge or the bar depletes and you have to recharge it by holding uh i think it was whatever the l1 equivalent is zl or whatever on the switch but um basically you do that and then you have to wiggle the um the uh i think it was the right joystick back and forth left and right in order to charge it and by what, what Travis is doing he's holding it in front of his crotch and it looks like he's like masturbating because you know funny internet humor <laughs> um uh that was one of the things that uh I was talking I mentioned with the nunchucks and with the Wii remote was that you actually had to do that motion uh when you were playing it the originally with the game on uh the Wii um, and beyond that, too, uh, you can charge your sword attacks, so they'll use more of your actual uh, energy your, of your sword, but they'll do bigger damage. And so, like, certain enemies, when they're low enough health, they'll, um, it'll be like a one-shot on them and things like that. Um, and then the other thing is that if you're attacking enemies and you take them down to no life and do an attack, you get, like, a prompt that does like a specific direction, whether it's up, down, left, right. And if you slide the, um, the game slows down so you can kind of focus on that. So like the enemies aren't really, really attacking you and you can move the right thumbstick in that direction and you do a slashing attack, uh, that basically kills them. And then you get like this slot machine animation that comes up at the bottom on each successful death blow. And, um, if you get, three of the same symbols you go into dark side which you gain like a specific abilities depending on uh which three items you match up so uh and you just get superpower abilities i i personally i didn't play and land a lot of the death blows so i didn't go into dark side mode a lot so i didn't experience this this much uh that that much but they were some really cool abilities i just wish that i could access it more frequently other ways was there anything that i missed or anything that you guys want to add i do want to add to the dark side 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 side
was it just me or do you only get it at the end of combat encounters no i, I mean yes well, yes I, I mean sometimes that would happen to me but I, to me it felt like i was getting a fairly i wouldn't say i'd say fairly regularly not like too much where it felt like I was, it was happening too often but just enough i mean sometimes it would happen when there was a lot of enemies around sometimes it would happen when it would be the last two and it was like oh well that's kind of worthless um um, or like sometimes or I would like get it, and then, it and then they would spawn they would enemies spawn on the other side of the, the arena, and arena. it's like okay, right. well by the time I get over there, <laughs> this is going to be over with. So that would happen sometimes, but for the most part, I felt like I got it enough. Dante, honestly, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. You never went into dark side mode. Do I transform or something? It's it's the thing when you get whatever special ability when you get three of the same uh, uh, icons on the slot machine. So you you never did the killing blows. No, I definitely did killing blows. I just I guess you never maybe just, I just didn't notice it. Yeah, interesting. So like you didn't have played, like the the tiger at the top like going running to the towards finish the, line? the flag. <laughs> I saw the tiger, but he was pretty much always like just, just I don't like know laying chilling. down or whatever. Huh. Like. And I did a ton of it. Like, we're talking where you hit the direction. Yeah, yeah. where you hit. Yeah. So That's like yeah, 90% the, of my kills, probably. Dang, yeah, dude. Like, I hardly got them myself either. So it doesn't surprise. Like, it's just surprising to me that you don't even know what we're referring to. So I, I'm assuming that probably when you, if you ever did get it, it was much like what Trevor said, where you got it probably at the very end of a fight. Is my guess. Yeah, I mean, the screen would go dark and I'd see that I got three of something, but I never really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paid attention to it. So some of the things that they did in dark side mode, they had like a slow down mode. So you could like run up on enemies. They were moving in super slow speed. So you could just wail on them and just body them. There was another one where your sword shot out like explosive projectiles that would one hit kill people. There was another mode where you were uh, walking really slow. The game was kind of in black and white, and then you would see an enemy, and then there's a face button on your controller that would pop up. You hit that button, and you just insta-kill, like you just one-hit kill them in some type of cool animation. Um, Those were the only three that I remember. I think there was five different The only thing that I ever got that seemed different was, like, I know if I got a lot of kills without getting hit, like, my katana or whatever would get super energized for a second. I only had it happen a couple times. Is that part of that? I don't think so. That's just you being good. I don't know. That's really weird. I don't know if it... I have no reason to believe they would take it out of the PS3 version, but... Yeah, that is that is weird. Um, and then... Uh, so, like, the reason why I didn't get it a lot was because I started using wrestling moves. So, like, that was my preferred way. I was a grappler. So, I would, like, hit people and then hit, like, you know, do a couple sword attacks, then hit a beat attack on them oh, they're dizzy, then I would do a wrestling move. So, like, I, I'm pretty sure I got all the wrestling moves in the game. And then I also had upgraded my grab range as well. So I was I was just laying hands. So for whatever reason, they determined that you don't get... Uh, so... you, you had to hit a button combination to activate this thing? No. You, you talking about to activate dark side mode? According to the Heroes Paradise Q&A thing I'm looking at, game facts, people are like, push R2 plus circle. Oh, I have no idea because that we didn't have to do that. Huh. Interesting. Um. No so I do want to go back a little bit after Marcus just said that about the wrestling moves. 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So we didn't talk about the tutorial in this game. Sure, sure. The tutorial is very much so optional. Like when you first um, start playing the game, it introduces the combat to you, and it'll be like, "Here's how to swing your sword. Do you want to learn more?" And it doesn't tell you like what more is, but if you click on it, it's it actually tells you some essential things that you need to learn throughout the game and at one point i guess i thought i'd be able to go back and finish the tutorial or it would kind of tell me like throughout the game like if i picked up new abilities how to use them but that never happened so i kind of skipped the rest of the tutorial i didn't go all the way through it so i actually didn't even know like when you get an enemy in the dizzy state that you could grab them and grapple them. So I didn't use any wrestling moves up until I got to like rank four or five. You goofed. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's kind of on you, bro. That's well, like to be fair, I feel like the wrestling moves aren't that great until you like unlock more of them, and then like they become more powerful in ways. Because like before, you'd do it and it would just knock them down, but it's like okay, you kill them and then I got. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes, well, later on, they would actually kill him. Like, I think yeah, early yeah. on, you would just knock him down, and it's like, okay, well, then I gotta stab him, but then I got other people around me I gotta worry about. But yeah, once you get to the point where they actually kill people, they're pretty good then. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like, that That was something I found out, was like, I liked throwing people to the ground, because I was just like, if you're surrounded, not surrounded, but if you're fighting multiple people, and you grab one person, and you slam them down with a wrestling move... You normally knock over the any body around them as well, and even yeah. though they're not laying on the ground for like a long period of time where you can stab them, like you can um, with the person that you slammed, it like kind of gets them off your back. That's true. But yeah, like later on when you upgrade your wrestling moves and whatever, like it's it's actually a weird animation because it never makes sense. Like you're you're doing some type of wrestling move or whatever, and then the sword will be just flying up in the air and just land, yeah, <laughs> and just kills them. And it's just like, when did he throw the sword up? <laughs> it's just really ridiculous. But yeah, like I I love the wrestling moves. That was yeah, that was my thing because the combat. I was trash at this game. <laughs> um, I mean, I struggled with the combat early on because uh, the high and low attacks kind of... I don't know, I guess I found myself not paying attention to how they were guarding sometimes because early on you have to kind of pay attention to like, oh, are they guarding high or is it, like, is it low? So then you have to try and do the attack that corresponds with you know where you need yeah. to hit them at. But like... At a certain point, once you level up enough, like that doesn't even matter anymore. It's like you just swing at people, and then they pretty much just die. I mean, as long as you, uh, you know, uh, as long as you like maybe dodge, you do the um, I forget what it's called now, but that last second dodge, basically, and you just swing on people and they just die. Like it's just it, it like the combat to me got pretty trivial. Like around six hours in, like at that point, I felt like I could pretty much just kill anything like pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you use wrestling moves, Dante? Then, or you you said you always use the killing blow. I mean, I did use wrestling too, like whenever I got prompted for it, pretty much. Um, which I don't know. I'm not going to go into like my critiques quite yet, but um, I don't know. Like most of the 
moment-to-moment gameplay, the non-boss gameplay was pretty trivial. It's just you block if you absolutely have to. I feel like you can mostly get away from way with hitting just um, the sword attacks for the most part. And the whole high-low system doesn't really... I guess it kind of matters, but not really. Like I feel like the percentages like use low 70% of the time and then occasionally use triangle when they start yeah. blocking low. Yeah. And um, yeah, I tried to use pretty much everything, but apparently I didn't use these um, superpower attacks, which probably would have helped a lot during bosses. Oh, well, you wouldn't have been able to get them on bosses yeah. because uh, you had... Unless maybe unless the the version you're playing the Heroes Paradise version you could activate it whenever, but uh, for us it was like oh we kill a normal enemy we slice off their head the slot machine thing goes then like if you got three matching it's activated right there like you don't hit a button to activate it it's just you're in that mode now yeah they, so like you're not gonna you're not gonna get that on the boss because you're you in all almost all cases you're fighting the boss one you know mano a mano. Even the times when you do have enemies in the boss fights, like they don't trigger it. So, the rank two one, yeah, yeah, I, I never got it in her. Like I would say, like I didn't get any. I didn't. I would say I, once I hit rank seven, I don't think I ever. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I ever went into dark side mode again. <laughs> it was like the whole like last ten hours of the game. I never went into it again, and it was like partly on me because I was grappling a lot. But like I just never. The, the the roulette the never rolled in my favor. That's so weird. Or slots, I guess. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, it was very frustrating because I was like, "This is really cool," but like, I I couldn't even tell you what gave you what because that's how infrequently I got it. <laughs> it was like, oh, if I get all cherries, this is the one I get, or if I get all coins, this is the one I, I can't even tell you. You know. Um, you guys want to talk about the uh, the actual fights themselves? Then the the boss fights. Yeah. So, um, you, you see the first one, the 11th rank fight as a, uh, as a cut scene. So, uh, you, you know, you defeat him and now you're the 11th rank assassin. You get into the game and then you find out that you're, you know, you're, you're vying to kill the 10th ranked assassin. So, um, uh, I won't go beat by beat with each of these fights. We can maybe do that later if you guys would like. But um, really, the boss fights are the the they all for the most part follow the same kind of uh, format where you you know earn enough money in the open world in order to uh, you know uh, sign up for the contract. You sign up for it. You pay, you know you pay, and then you're told, oh, like you need to go to the, your motel. So you go to your motel blah 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 you leave and then when you leave it's like oh now uh when you when you get into your motel like you get a phone call from sylvia who tells you a little bit about um the i I guess she tells you like oh like you're getting ready for the fight or whatever and then when you leave then you get like a a waypoint to like this is where the 10th fight or whatever number fight you're about to go to is you you know hop on your motorcycle and you travel the open world to that part of the level you enter the area and then typically you fight a bunch of the fodder enemies. Uh, they're usually themed based off of wherever you're at. So like, um, uh, I know like when you're fighting at the destroy stadium, which is the baseball field, like they're, you know, wearing baseball outfits or whatever. 
um, then you have bats or, you know, like when you're fighting another person, a lot of the enemies have axes and things like that. So uh, you fight some fodder enemies leading up to the fight. And then at some point you get like a, like you clear out all the fodder enemies and uh, then you're, you know, uh, you get a phone call from Sylvia and you, you know, she's basically telling you, oh, you were getting ready for the fight. You're ready for the fight. And she always says, um, trust your force and something about get ready to enter the garden of madness, which I don't know. Do either of you not guys know what that me- meant or not the slightest idea? It's but, to me, it sounded like, um, an Alice in Wonderland reference. Mm-hmm. See, I thought it was a Star Wars reference. Trust well, yeah, the, the Force part. Yeah, I didn't even remember I her know. her saying that part, but I remember her saying "Garden Garden of Madness," and every time she said that, I was thinking, "Oh, I, thinking, oh, I thought that was the last um, boss's arena or whatever." Yeah, that, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I didn't know if you guys understood, like, and, and it kind of made me think of Killer Seven too, when it's like, blah blah blah, you're in a tight spot, and like there was like specific things that were constantly, you know, rep- repeated over and over again in that game too. And I just was wondering, like, is this just like that's just his thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it was a metaphor, or at least that's how I interpret it. Gotcha. But yeah, she basically yeah. kind of tells you, like, oh, like, you know, normally she's doing some activity, like, oh, I'm getting a, you know, full body massage or blah blah blah, this or you know this, and uh, you know, getting Travis all hot and heavy, and just like I'm gonna get number one to be with you, and then she's like, you have a, and every time it would be a higher and higher percentage chance of dying. And then you're going to be in the seventh circle of hell, or like every time it was like you're, it was like uh, she would say like you have a, a hundred percent chance of dying, and um, see you in hell. And then like later on, it's like you have a uh, six billion three hundred million seven hundred thousand you know percent chance of dying, and you'll be in the seventh circle of hell. And then like oh later on, she's like oh you'll be like you have a there's no way you're going to live, and you're going to be sitting on the devil's lap. And it was just, like, really weird, like, their relationship that they had. Um, she was definitely a weird one. Um, but then, yeah, you would uh, get to a point where you would learn a new wrestling move. Uh, you'd be able to save, which, uh, for whatever reason in this game, the way to save is to use the toilet. So you see Travis, like, he'll go into the bathroom, and he's, like, unbuckling his pants and sitting on the toilet to take a shit. And then it would say, oh, save. And that's how you save this game, which also just, you know attitude <laughs> video games at that time i guess i don't know um uh and uh then yeah you would uh save and then you would uh fight whatever the boss is and they would usually go into some like uh you'd go into some cut scene to kind of explain their uh their story or whatever they're about so you know and there was a wide uh a wide cast of characters. I will say that um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this game was how varied the characters you face in this game were, how unique they were. And I kind of wish that they had done some of that in the open world part to kind of give you a little bit more flavor, but it seems like they kind of saved all their creativity for these these boss fights and and the sense of like how they fleshed out these characters and just created these characters. What'd you guys think of the the ranked fights and just like that whole um, process from the the format? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you on the on the bosses. Like, I 
I don't think that most of the boss fights were like uh, mechanically interesting, but it was more cool just to see the characters that they came up with, like the personality that they had, kind of like the build up or like the, um, like kind of the the process of getting to the boss. So like, um, you know, like I'm trying to think of one in particular. You have uh, one of the boss fights. I forget who it is, but you basically end up having to get on a bus and you end up fighting on the bus to get to one of the bosses. Um, you know. Speed buster. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, like, in the boss fights, sometimes there's, like, these weird little uh, encounters. Like, I'm trying to think of one, like... Uh, who's the guy... I want to say his name's Let Shake. Is that the guy with the bomb? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that is essentially, like, not even a fight, an actual fight. Like, you get that you show up and you're about to fight him. He gives his whole spiel... And then somebody comes he, down and he's kills him. Saying all this yeah. stuff, he's like talking all this mess, and he's like, he can tell he's super smart. And it seems like he built this machine himself, mm-hmm. and he's just saying he's charging this thing up. And you're like, what the hell is going on? He's yelling all these commands at this robot that is about to attack you. And then it's so like, yeah, the buildup for that fight was like crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the old lady. I'm trying to remember her name. The old lady with the shopping cart, like that. That one. was. Speedbuster. Yeah. Speed oh man. <laughs> like the design of them is cool. It's like, but it's just kind of like the actual fights themselves are like, you basically do the same thing. You you show up, you dodge, attack, you dodge whatever their most powerful attack is, take them down, and you know it's kind of the same thing. But it's I did appreciate how unique every boss was. Like nobody was like as far as design, everybody was different. You know, but there was some yeah. some unique thing to each of the boss fights. Yeah, there, there was a definitely like a, um, uh, it, it kind of wore its welcome, I would say, in a sense, where it's just like the whole process is just like, oh, fight a bunch of fodder enemies, get to the boss. Then at that point, then you're like learning the boss's like specific moves and their tendencies and trying to counter that. Mm-hmm. And, but the part that I really, really mo- like most enjoyed was like figuring out what they were. Cause like there was like a, uh, a doctor who was an assassin that was also a singer so he like serenaded you with a song and then there was like uh, a dude that was a UPS like oh, a, yeah, a, a mailman <laughs> that turned like he was like could you just uh, like he was like super <laughs> non-assuming like one of those dudes that you would see that like in like whatever suburb and he's like can you can you look away for a second can you? and he's like why like we're about to fight he's like well can you just look away for a second? And then you look away and then you just hear destroy beam. And then you like (laughs) dodge out the way and you look up and the dude is dressed as a superhero. (laughs) Um, yeah. So like the, the, the magician dude, Darsky or whatever that fight was. Yeah. Like all the fights were, even if it wasn't like, um, wildly different in like how you approach them, like the personalities, like it I think that was, like, definitely, like, the thing that stood out the most to me, and that'll be the thing that, like, if I ever were to recommend this game, I would say the characters in the game are really, really cool and really, really unique. And even if they're referencing stuff, it's, like, I don't know what they're referencing. Like, I I was thinking, like, uh, the freaking, that Shinobu, I was like, is this just Afro Samurai? Like, (laughs) but I was like, she's just a black samurai chick and i was just like it's kind of she has a fro it's you know i was like yeah. it's, it's kind of cool though like you know um 
Yeah, I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed the boss fights. Um, the, the characters, the boss characters, I should say. Uh, how do you feel about the boss fights and, and everything, Dante? Um, yeah, definitely the boss fights were the, I guess, standout thing in the game. Like, that's really, like, when you look at it, everything was designed around getting to the boss. And kind of the lead up was just kind of... I don't know, padding in a lot of ways because you're fighting the same en- enemies. Like, it made me think back on um, some of the other games we've played, and I was like, man, there's really just one type of enemy. Well, there's like three types of enemies. There's your regular sword people, you got your shooty people, and then occasionally you have your blocky people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah, so. Th- there's variations on the sword people because it's like... The the dudes that had the beam swords, you had to approach them differently than the other people. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. Yeah, but I definitely think the boss fights, like in some ways, it kind of reminded like this. Is probably the first time this comparison has ever been made on the internet. But I was thinking back to Shadow of the Colossus in some ways, where I'm like, oh well, this is all what this is about, just getting to these bosses and kind of having these kind of Brand off um, showdowns with them and figuring out their patterns and oh, but I don't that know, I feel like I'm giving fine. the game too much credit. But that open <laughs> world was fine. <laughs> you can control the horse, but you can't control the motorcycle. Okay, okay. Oh, the, oh, you want to? <laughs> are you kidding me? When I fill up that my horse, horse, think about. This I know year, it's another character. This, this game, it's another character in the game. I know. I know. This game came out the same year. Is Grand Theft Auto 4. This game plays worse than Grand Theft Auto 3. This game controls, as far as the open world stuff, it objectively, in my opinion. I know that's a contradiction I just said, objectively, in my opinion. But it does control worse in the open world than Grand Theft Auto 3. Which is like a 01, 02, I don't even know. Type of thing. Um, I was just Going saying, back like, to the bosses, <laughs> though. I feel like I am giving it too much credit saying there's a pattern for most of these where there is a pattern as far as like, hey, they have about four or five attacks and you just have to figure out how to not take damage because it's really just a war of attrition of not taking damage and whittling their health down until they've taken enough damage to die. (laughs) Um, Yeah, basically. It kind of reminded me of Killer Seven a little bit as far as the way the bosses, like you know, that game had like a lot of unique bosses where you had to. I mean, they. Well, I guess that game has a little bit more variety in how you beat the bosses, but they the, all the bosses bosses have like some particular way of like how you have to defeat them. You know. Yeah, this game didn't have that, but like it, it was more. I feel like they they were more personalities in they in this game than they were in. So they were bigger personalities and left a longer impression I felt like mm-hmm. in this game but I felt like the fights themselves were more unique and varied in the in Killer 7 oh for sure yeah that was going to be my um, comparison too but I completely agree with you Marcus It's I think the uh, characters are better in No More Heroes but the fights were a lot more varied in Killer 7 did you guys think that like it's almost like they had like a we want to do a boss mode or like a like you know how they have those games where it's like they clearly like the characters or the the bosses are very well thought out but then the rest of the game the the in between is kind of like rushed 
Do you think maybe that was the case with this game? I'm not saying rushed as in it's like incomplete, but it's just like more of an afterthought. And like this was, I felt like before there are boss rush modes or like those type of games where it's just like okay to just stack you, you know, fighting back to back to back, you know, varied enemies. Like, do do you think that this, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I, kind of get where you're coming from. I don't know if I would say, well, you definitely could tell that most of the development time as far as like, uh, I feel like most of the development time was around the the bosses themselves. And then like, they would just find... Because to me, the game definitely feels like they're just padding time. Like, it's just like a lot of the game is just nothing but padding. It's just like, well, we kind of don't want this to be like a three-hour experience. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to throw in all this other stuff to kind of give you stuff to do. Like, a lot of it isn't necessary to, uh, like, really beating the game. It's just kind of, well, I guess some of it is. But, like, a lot of it is just there. It's not anything worthwhile it's just like well we kind of need to uh give you some type of progression other than just beat this guy go to the next guy beat this guy so it's like we have to add stuff to uh, to the experience to the experience we gotta sell this 50 dollar game right. it's got to be x number of hours so right let's yeah right. i mean it definitely would have been i wouldn't have been mad if it was literally just the boss fights but you know i get it you know you can't really yeah. So, well, not these boss fights, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just felt like personally, I just like felt like they had a really cool idea. Like we want to have this character. Like I, I even think like the the elevator pitch of this game is like there's a guy. He's the eleventh ranked assassin, and he wants to become the first ranked assassin. So he has to face all the ten people in front of him. That's a really cool concept. But then when you start fleshing it out, and it's like the, the assassins are each going to have their own unique personality or whatever backstory. That's cool. But then when they start fleshing it out and like some of the story beats and some of the other stuff, it just becomes like, oh, like you guys had a really cool concept and like you had to do all these other things to justify like to, in order to get the green light to do this game, mm-hmm. it seems like. Well, I think the story is the other like, uh, how do I even get to like the story like it's intentionally like this is all part of its existence and parody essentially so like I can appreciate a decent amount of it even though I hate a decent amount of it too I'm trying to I'm, I'm like sitting with what you said and I'm just like I don't know if I agree or disagree or I don't you know I don't know how to respond right like now. <laughs> okay 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 so I'll, I'll try to expand that a little bit so um, going back to I guess the premise of the story of having the 11 assassins and whatnot, like that's all good and the humor in this game is very take what you will from it I guess it's, it's in the same paradigm as a Borderlands essentially like you're either going to love it or absolutely hate it and somehow I've realize I just contradicted myself again because somehow I'm in the middle of this. But um, I like some of the directions they take for the humor. I think a lot of the humor is really dumb. I get why it's there, but at the same time, like, it's it's not in meme culture, the humor, but it is meme culture adjacent in a lot of ways. I feel like I it's, 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 it's... 
definitely of its time because it's like it, it's it's a lot of bad like i mean he's you say that but no more heroes 3 is about to be the exact same thing i know i know so like it, he's very like a very i'm saying this without having played it i don't think he's as bad from what i can tell but he's like a very like raunchy duke nukem-esque type of like the way he, you know, the way he charges his... It's, it's very over the top. Well, I mean, that's that's a parody of that. It's not like, he's not Duke Nukem. He's a parody of <sighs> know, that type of like, thing. This so, whole game is a parody of video games in and, a lot of ways. This, like, this, is, this is my issue, or an issue I have with this game, is that if everything is a parody, then that means that everything is super smart and highbrow, and I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I think that some of the stuff in it was just, like, a sign of the times, like... You, the way the dude- oh, I super like. If we just want to go into parodies not being highbrow, we could talk about Spaceballs all day. Well, what what I what I mean to say is that just because it's referencing referencing stuff and making fun of things doesn't mean it's doing a good job of doing that. And so, it's oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Sometimes that. it feels like it blurs the line between like doing- just because you can doesn't mean you should. I mean, yes, yes, but I. I- <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that there are some things that they parody very smartly, and I think there are some things that it was like, are we sure this is a parody, or is it because we think that the guy is so smart that he is parodying everything? And that's kind of where I'm at, where it's just like, if you're saying everything in this game, or if anybody is saying everything in this game is a parody of something else, then I'm I kind of have to push back, because I, I kind of feel like it's not like there weren't games coming out at that time with characters that acted just like this. So like we can't we can't say with 100% certainty that he is you know parading that cuz he's also like a, a, of the times as well. You know? Uh I can I will bet my life that 99% of this game is a parody. I That's just Suda's that's his stick. I mean, I I, I get that, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is like I, I don't necessarily think that everything in this game is well executed. So like it's yes, it may be a parody, but it's just it's I, I agree with that too, but this dude's also <laughs> not known for well executing games. I'm sorry. <laughs> like oh, I, man, I, I get I, him. Like I, he, I was about to say deadly premonitions, but that's weary. But I feel like Suda Five One also exists in that same wheelhouse where like he is a person who makes renowned cult classic games that don't play well. They yeah. are better than the sum of their parts. I guess I guess it's just kind of like if all those games are over the top and everything, and then it's just I don't know. Like I, his name is Travis Touchdown, so it's not like if his name was like Travis Smith or something like that, or you know, whatever, like some you know regular Joe Schmo's style name then I guess then he'd be like oh like he's clearly not trying to reference anything so like he definitely has like a Duke Nukem like Marcus Phoenix Sirius Sam's style name and like my t- go, go ahead. ahead sorry no you got it you got it yeah I was gonna say my take on this entire game and I'm just gonna get my big take out of the way is that Suda51 designed a game around what he thinks people who don't play games think about games. That sounds about right. I mean, that sounds that sounds accurate, but I don't know. 
I don't know. Like it's it's yeah, it has the open world part. It has the uh, sure, sure. Like it does all this stuff. It does it kind of bad in a weird way. It also like all the so, characters so the are super. Open. That's the thing that I would push back on. It does the things. But because it does it bad is parroting those games. And like that's the disconnect that I'm having. So like I get the like the job system is like referencing like, oh, you have to do all these odd jobs and everything in video games. And they're usually really dumb and really boring. So it makes sense to have really dumb and really boring jobs that you have to do in order to make money. But like at a certain point, like you don't get bonus points for being smart if the stuff is crappy or shitty it's crappy or shitty regardless if you're making fun of something or not you know what i'm saying i get what you're saying but i think that's this dude's craft to be perfectly honest. like i don't think he was trying to make a quote-unquote 8.0 metacritic game he was gonna do his thing and slip in all of his stupidness just because that's who he is as a game developer mm-hmm. i i i and then the thing is, the thing is, is that you say that, but then the second game, they remove that stuff and they like tweak it. So it's like, is it because I they feel like they had to listen to the critics and, at some and, point? And they were gonna that's make what a I'm sequel. saying. So it's like, I don't know. We, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about this anymore. Like, <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, I feel you and I, I know you get what I'm saying too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. My only disconnect with it is the fact that they have this humor throughout the whole game. But I honestly don't remember them breaking the fourth wall until the very end of it, mm-hmm. which really took me out of it a little bit. Like, if they had done that kind of sprinkled throughout the game, I would, I would have been like, okay, that's the vibe of this game. But when they didn't do that till the end where, like, you're fighting Jean and and she's just like... Um, the, the whole thing where they, they fast-forward her little speech... And and she's just like, yeah, but then, you know, they um they'd have to up the the rating on the game, um, like the the mature rating or whatever. And and then they need to there wouldn't be a sequel or something like that. Um but that kind of took me out of the humor a little bit because they did that and not throughout the entire game. I feel like that's the vibe of the entire game, like even though they don't explicitly say it like that, like this game is super not self serious. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> in the same I, way, like a Conker's Bad Fur Day, or something like, like that. They do enough one-off gaffes that this is just one of those things, and I and I I agree that it took me out, but it also I feel like if it was sprinkled throughout the game, it wouldn't have the same impact. And that specific scene you're referring to is meant to have some sort of it's it's meant to have an impact and it's meant to be memorable and if that was sprinkled throughout the game in my opinion that last scene wouldn't work and be as memorable because i'm willing to bet that that is a moment that people talk about when they talk about this game well like well you know oh did you the main character huh you know who the main character really reminds me of who's that and I didn't even know until after um, I finished the game. I think I watched like a, I tried to watch like a summary of the story just so I could remember all of it. But um, he really reminds me of Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Like with, but I mean, with like his humor I, I feel, and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. just the the tone of the the game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, go ahead. 
but yeah, there there's no yeah, there's none of those fourth wall breaking references until you get to the end. I don't know. It it was just kind I felt of like there was maybe trying- one more sprinkled in before then, but I'm, I can't remember right now. It's because he's trying to parody Deadpool, and Deadpool does it all the time. So when he does it once, then it's really smart. Well, I was gonna say, Dude, is I it like right exists now. in the exact same wheelhouse as a Deadpool, and like Marcus was saying, it's pretty much just a one-off thing. Like I don't think they do any more with that fourth ball, fourth wall breaking stuff in two or Desperate Struggle, from what I remember. Granted, I don't remember anything about two. I was so gonna say, what do you I remember from two? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I think it's. I think it was mostly for impact. Uh, I, I think that it would have lessened some of the impact that last scene would have had if, if it was would have really lessened the gravitas of um... exactly. I mean, we probably need to talk about the game like this. This is how people on the internet talk about this game. Um, is there anything else with the? Uh, let's see. So we covered that. So. I guess we've we've all kind of like talked about different things that we dislike, but like this is the opportunity for everybody to say the thing. So I want to do something different. Greg, what were the we things? Also, go ahead. I was going to say the things we do like too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that was what I was going to say. So, Greg, what were the things that you enjoyed? This is your opportunity to speak on it. What were your your some of your favorite things about this game and things that you enjoyed? Uh, like just particular instances or just kind of like my general feelings on the game feelings and instances or feelings we'll, we'll say feelings like or I get out here I'll set I'll set you up so you see okay. so, so some of the things that I enjoyed I really like the characterization and just the how unique the boss character assassins were I, I, I really really dug them and like like I said that will be a very when I talk about this game that will be the things I talk about I was talking about those various characters I did like the open world. Just, I like the, it was very interesting for me to be kind of teleported back to like a lesser open world. I don't play a lot of open world games anymore, but like kind of playing a game that kind of reminded me of Crazy Taxi was very interesting. So I really like that feeling of kind of being like, I'm in, I'm playing a pseudo modern game, but it, it, it's built like an old game and it makes me think of an old game. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I really did, uh, um, I enjoyed the uh, the way the game had you unlocking things. So I, I enjoyed doing the collectibles for the balls because then you got unique abilities, which I don't know if any of you guys, did any of you guys do the ball stuff? Yeah, I got three or four abilities out of it, but I didn't go and unlock everything because I gotcha. got the ones that I thought would be most important and would help the most. And I just kind of stopped after that i didn't like purposely get a few of them a few of the abilities yeah the ones that i thought would be effective in combat like not the ones that added um skills or anything like that or moves i just got the ones that were kind of like more passive abilities gotcha yeah um i i just i didn't like go out of my way to like get all the I mean, I did get all the balls, but I didn't like go out of my way and just like, I'm going to sit down and spend the next hour doing this. It was just like, oh, I'm on this side of the level and I see the little blip. I'm just going to go to it. And and that's kind of how I did it. And they were pretty easy enough to get. Um, So that wasn't that big of a deal, but I did like how it added things to the game. So like, and 
I was hoping there was going to be a Killer7 like reference or mention in this game, and that it came through in the abilities that you got from the ball were each centered on one of the characters in Killer7. I don't know if you guys noticed that. No, I didn't. Yeah, so like obviously like the the grapple one was based off the the luchador dude. The speed one was based off the kid. The um, uh, I'm trying to think. There there was one that was referenced the woman, which was obvious. Oh, the, the having a longer dark side uh, time was based off the uh, sniper, the girl with the the pistol. So like each of them were based off of uh, one of the characters from Killer Seven. So I, I I appreciated them having that little nod to a game that we had played. I didn't even um, realize that. Yeah, yeah. Like when I found that out, I was like, I need to get all these. <laughs> I was like, I want to get all these because I was like, that's cool. <laughs> um, what about you, Greg? Now, uh, what what were some of the things that you enjoyed? Um, I think the things that are going to stick with me the most with this game is like just the style of the game in general. Like, um, you know, it's got a really unique style as far as like visual visual style. Not only that, just the cuts that they they make, camera cuts. Um, this game just kind of like oozes style, I guess. Like, I guess that's like a bad way of like explaining that. But um, I mean, it's just a cool looking game, in my opinion. You know, like graphically, um, and the fact that uh, all the boss fights they they all have like they're all unique as far as how they're designed. Like, those are probably like the main things that I'll remember about the game. Uh, you know, the combat was, I mean, it was good enough. You know, like it 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 was cool enough to where I didn't really get super bored with it. I mean, it's not engaging, but like it was never, I never got super tired of it. You know, like early on it was a little bit rough, but like once I really like got used to it, uh, it wasn't really that, you know, that hard to manage. So, um, but yeah, for sure. It's like the, the actual style of the game. And then the boss fights are like the two most, uh, to me, the two parts that stick out the most. What about you, Dante? What were some of your, um, that's a good question because this game is one where like I can kind of respect a lot about it, but the stuff I respect, I also kind of dislike in a lot of ways. So I like the character. Oh man, I can't even say I like the character designs because some of those are just gross, but, um, I like the premise of this game in a lot of ways. So I like the setup of the. I guess, rise to glory of Travis and trying to get through these 11, you know, unique assassins to reach this top rank. I think on a fundamental level, that's good. Um, I think the execution of that is also pretty good where like the interstitials and like seeing Travis, it feels weird saying Travis grow, but Travis does change a little bit. Um, as he progressed through the rank and seeing that was pretty good. I like the concept of having very unique bosses and I like the setup they did for a lot of the bosses, even though the fights themselves, a lot of cases were not great. Um, the combat has some depth to it, but ends up getting really bogged down by a lot of QTEs and other gimmick stuff. So, I think they had a solid idea for the combat. I think the music was serviceable at times. And stylistically, I like the art direction 
I won't say I actually like the graphics of the game, but I like the direction they went with it. Okay. Yeah, I, I should have also said, yeah, I really like the the premise or like elevator pitch. I think it's a really cool like if you tell me that, like I'm 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 definitely intrigued. Just like, oh, like this guy has to kill other assassins and he has to rank up. Like that sounds cool. I also occasionally like the humor. Occasionally. So when we get to the bad parts, you're going to say, I also occasionally don't like the humor. Occasionally. <laughs> I, I, I tried to backfill everything. I like. I I tried not to... Um, what's that term? Backhand? Backhand but, compliment? Yeah, essentially, I backhanded everything I said, if you didn't know. <laughs> like, and that's how I feel about this game. I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of okay, but there's this other part of it that kind of kind of ruins it. Oh, yeah. all these boss fights are kind of okay, but then they do stupid stuff like... Um, the magician dude. I will get into him at some point, hopefully, yeah, yeah. and we can talk about that fight and along with a l- couple other fights, and then like the combat. And I guess this is something specific. I shouldn't say specific to the PS3 version, but augmented in the PS3 version, where like there is major frame rate problems on the PS3. So like the baseball field fight you do right before the rank two fight, I hit single digit frame rates at one point. Wow. Nice. It was real bad. <laughs> so, like, the frame rate stuff, and then also, you know, I know this game isn't supposed to be, like, the most deep fighter or whatever, but the amount of, I guess, QTEs that got stitched into every single fight, like, literally every enemy, once you knock down their health bar, you get a directional prompt, at least on the PS3 you do. And essentially, that's how you do your finisher. And just, you know, if you're fighting, let's say, a thousand enemies over the course of the game, and let's say you do that for 80% of them, that means you're going to be just doing these QTEs 800 times. And even the wrestling moves, you grab the enemy, then it gives you one prompt, and depending on the wrestling move, you might get another prompt afterwards. So it just kind of slows down the gameplay in a way that I know I wouldn't have been as critical of and like, middle school but like current me (laughs) doesn't really have time for like a qte fest well you had time today um what about you trevor um what were the things that you enjoyed uh like y'all i really like the premise of this game uh probably my favorite thing would be the character design uh i like how they made the bosses like really varied um which is one thing I liked about Killer Seven too. Um, you know, it, it gives it like that Scott Pilgrim type feel. Um, I think those are my two favorite things about the game. Um, the combat was okay. Um, I liked it. <laughs> I mean, it's so. Is that a backhanded comment? No, from no, too? no. I'm just saying on on that scale it would fall into the category of things I liked versus disliked or just kind of on the fence about. This definitely seemed like a Trevor Combat type of game. Dang. Talking about I just mashed two buttons the whole game. <laughs> That's Greg's for Am I wrong? <laughs> and, and how much I like quick time events. Um, well, uh, I wanted to 
do the nitpicks as well, but I know Dante said he wanted to talk on some of the story stuff. Do you want to knock out the nitpicks now and then we can get into the story? Is that cool, Dante? Yeah, I guess I already kind of did my nitpicks in the process of doing my compliments. It's okay. So. It's okay. Uh, do you have any more that you want to add? No, I mean, the only thing that I didn't say right there in that little segment was I just don't think the open world adds anything of value to this game. Uh, so I'll let you start this time, Trevor. Uh, what are your nitpicks? My nitpicks, um, I don't think this game is bad. It's just Fine. not well executed in a lot of areas. Like, But it's a parody on bad games. Is there really a market for that, though? There can be. <laughs> like, are there people? Like, hey, dang! They, I, don't they come out with the Dynasty Warriors like every yeah. year? Yeah. Hey, take that back! I actually started playing Dynasty Warriors as a persona, and it's all right. Earth Defense. And Force? say what you will, this game has a big cult following. I'm not. I am not justifying this game design at all. I'm just saying there are people that just don't care about gameplay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's. I don't think it's a bad game. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, it just seemed, a lot of times, it just seemed kind of hollow. Is So, like, just to clarify, I know you felt it was hollow in the open world part and it wasn't fleshed out. Maybe you're also saying, like, the combat was also hollow. I'm saying, like- I don't think the combat was hollow because... Especially considering um, Killer7 as well. I think they have a way of utilizing every single button on a controller to do something. Um, So I think they did exactly what they wanted to do with the combat. If that makes (laughs) sense. So you're saying that Whether that be good or bad, I think this is what they intended to do with the combat. And I, I know it's been ported from from the Wii um, over to the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of combat, I think this game did what it was, what it set out to do. Okay. Um, you had any, any other nitpicks? But yeah, as far as like the, I think this, the story is very hollow as well. Um, if you came here for the story, um, mm, Shalom. um there i mean there's a lot of i don't know it just seems like they made up the story along the way definitely an afterthought i I mean i know marcus is gonna make fun of me again for it but (laughs) i really do feel like that was intentional like just being like yo you're just going to keep going up this list like it's a Mortal Kombat tower, and you're going to get to the But that's the part that's cool. Like, th- that that's the part that is interesting, and, like, that's the part I'm here for. But it's just, like, the... That could be the story. I don't need to be, like, the the, the twists and the reasonings and stuff at the end of the game. I don't necessarily... And we'll, so, we'll talk about it. Well, well, that That's also parody, though. Like, the whole I am your... No, I, I know, I know, and I'm saying it didn't need to be there. <laughs> so yeah. if if we are going to lock in on this this parody idea, this game is just a parody of video games or pop culture. 
whatever, Johnny Bravo. Um, it's not very clever. I'll say that. Thank you. <laughs> it. I mean, parodies rarely are, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I think that you guys have not had great experiences with good parodies, um, which is like... I, I think a lot of them are not good, but I, I feel like when there are good parodies of things, they can like, I don't, I don't know. Like I was going to say, they can become cult classics and I'm like literally talking about this game, but like to me, this game doesn't hit the mark. Okay. And maybe it's because of the things that I'm referring to when I think I'm thinking of movies. Like for example, Shaun of the Dead. I think that that's a parody movie on zombie movies. And that's like one of my favorite like zombie movies. And I think that like, objectively as a good movie and it's a good zombie movie and it does something new and unique with the genre whereas i feel like this game is not doing new it's doing new and unique things but i i I don't feel like it's leading to anything besides this franchise being able to exist i guess i don't think other like places are taking ideas from this and i don't know i don't know I know it's different with video games versus film, though, too. So, I don't. Maybe it's not a fair metric to say. I think he's just trying to make a a cool game. They just parodied stuff. I mean, and and that and that's fine. But like, yeah, I, I don't know if I would say this is a cool game. <laughs> this is a game. <laughs> <laughs> you hundred percented this, dude. No, I didn't. No, I did not. You you went out of your way for a lot of stuff. Well, when we get when we get to my nitpicks, <laughs> and some of this is my reasoning. Phoenix Wright parody, by the way, right now I'm I'm holding you accountable. Okay, okay. Defend well, yourself. Are, are you are you are you done? Um, did you get all your nitpicks out the way? Uh, I think so. And did you did you did you go, Greg? No, I haven't gone yet. So go ahead, man. Speak your speak your truth. Uh, I mean, like everybody. Well, I guess with the exception of uh, Mark, but uh, like. I thought the open world was kind of boring. I didn't really... Uh, I don't really think we needed it. I get why it's there. I mean, that's that's part of the... Uh, I guess part of the joke. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have done without it. Uh, the story was kind of... Eh. You know, obviously, like... It's not really meant to be, like, some well-thought-out narrative, I think. Uh, it's just kind of an excuse to just throw a bunch of bosses together. Um, which is fine for what this is, but, uh, but yeah, I I would say like just my main, uh, complaint would just be like, I felt like the open world wasn't really needed. And I'll just say for me, uh, my nitpicks were, I didn't really care for the story. Um, I didn't really care for the humor in this game there. Like I, I will say I'm the opposite end of Dante. I know he said occasionally he didn't like it. I would say occasionally I did like it, um, as well. I I think I was... I think I was misquoted there. Oh, okay. Then you said occasionally you do like it, right? Yes. Okay. I, well, I'm the same boat, but I'm saying it under the nitpicks because it sounds like that's more of a nitpick than a pro. Um, and I did not care for the combat in this game. And um, it just really wasn't fun. I didn't really like the boss fights themselves. They were more frustrating than fun to, for me personally. Um, and I didn't like... I like that they 
switched it up so it wasn't like every single fight you had to fight something they they had gave you a little bit of break in between but i would have wished there was more variety in the boss fights so there was a lack of that in in the boss fights personally um the the i guess i can say it now my lukewarm take or whatever is that this game is basically like a 3d brawler instead of like a it's less devil may cry ninja gaiden and more like a beat-em-up and so like i when i when i started thinking about the game that way it started like showing me like oh like this makes sense why the characters that you're fighting are only like these three archetypes or whatever and you know maybe they're reskinned with a different costume like that kind of checked for me and then it also kind of uh, reinforced why the combat was so stale and stagnant was because like it was like more of like a beat em up and less like Devil May Cry. So like once I started thinking about the game like that, I was kind of like not judging it and under the same scope or whatever. Um, but I, I like I said, I don't think that's like a groundbreaking take or whatever, anything like that. But it was just like when I, I read that in a review and I was like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. Another thing I was thinking is like. And we'll get to it. Actually, I, I won't say it now. I'll, I'll hold I'll hold it close to the chest. So when we talk about the stuff afterwards, but um, you want to get into the story and just I'll let you kick it off, uh, Dante. I mean, there's not much of a story for being perfectly honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much like okay, this is pretty much the loop of the game. You get a call saying. Well, you don't even get a call. Like, you beat the previous boss. You get a letter saying, hey, we need you to deposit this money so you can fight the next boss. You you do some chests around town, some chores, and put in the money in the ATM, go back to your apartment. Sylvia calls you. She'll tell you where the next assassin's located. You drive to that place. You kill him. Then you repeat the process. So pretty much the entire story of the game is, see, I feel like, are we going to go back and kind of like talk about any of the assassins or have we kind of already done that? If you want, I can just kind of do a quick breakdown of each one. Yeah, like go all the way till I guess the second, the last one. Okay, so obviously, uh, so the... You fight Helter Skelter like beforehand, like you don't. You actually don't fight it. That's somebody that Travis fights. Uh, the tenth ranked one is Death Metal, who's like a uh, dude with this huge sword. There's really nothing special about him. Um, the uh, next one is that doctor I mentioned, Doctor Peace. Uh, he's uh, the one that can sing. Um, <clears throat> he fights you with guns. He fights you uh, in the baseball field. Um, the eighth one is Shinobu, which is the African-American high school student with the, that's the samurai and her fight is unique in the sense that one, well, this was one of my least favorite fights, <laughs> but, um, she, uh, when, when it comes, when it gets time to kill these people, it goes into a cutscene when you land that final blow to take their health all the way down. Then it goes to a cutscene. So previously against Dr. Peace and against uh, Death Metal, you see him have no hesitation to like deal that death blow. Like maybe the person will have their last words and then he'll like stab them or cut their head off or whatever. When it comes to him, uh, to Shinobu, you see Travis, you see him hesitate. And um, 
one of the reasons why is that um, he he knows that she is trying to get revenge for uh, the death of her father. And she assumes that you were the one that killed her father. So that's why she like kind of goes ham and starts attacking you. And you're like, wait, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh, but then later on, you find out that he doesn't kill women. So he wasn't going to kill her. But since she's a samurai, like she's like, I, you have to finish me off. Like this is, you know, honorable. Like, so what he ends up doing is I think he uh, uh, slices off one of her hands and then he basically says, like, I'm not going to kill you, but you, when you get your strength back, you can come find me when you're older and we can fight again. And he so he basically spares her. Um, the next fight is against the mailman, uh, who's a part-time mailman, uh, part-time superhero, Destroy Man. And uh, his, I, I, he had a very The Boys-esque vibe where he was like this very, like, raunchy sadistic like superhero character he was always trying to do cheap shots and like so you you see him and he's wearing red white and blue and you think oh he's very honorable and everything but he's using the cheapest tactics possible in order to um attack you basically um and then uh the next fight is against holly summers who's like a um she's like a chick that wears military clothing she fights you with grenades and she has a prosthetic leg she's on the beach um and you're fighting her and for whatever reason travis thinks she's very attractive so he's like trying to uh get with her during the fight too or like in the cutscenes. and um at the end when uh you you uh land the killing blow or whatever like the last hit she's like she likes your style and she's like well finish me off and travis like no i can't um again not being able to kill women or whatever so she kisses him on the cheek and basically like you're cute and then you see her pull a grenade and uh blow herself up um and uh he ends up giving her uh because she committed suicide or whatever and he's like he reveals to Sylvia at this point that he has an issue killing women. Um, uh, he basically carries her and like does like an honorable, I guess, burial for her. Um, the fifth rank one is that let's shake guy, which is like this really like nerdy punk rock dude that has this huge, like bomb shaped device that he's activating. Um, so like when you, He's on, like, this very, like, open stretch of road, like, in the desert. That's just, like, a straight shot. And Travis is running up to him, and he's just, like, activating this machine. And he's, like, countdown three, two, and then you just, like, he stops. And he has this wide-eyed expression. And you see that somebody came from up above and, like, sliced him or something and killed him. And then you're, like, who the hell killed this person? And there's another assassin named Henry. And so then you meet Henry and you guys, he's this Irish assassin and he's throwing insults and you guys are insulting each other. And then you two are about to get into a a fight and then Sylvia steps in and stops the fight. And um, when Travis turns around to like really look at Henry, then he's gone. So you kind of meet this new mysterious character. Uh, Is this, am I doing this correctly right now, guys? Is this how you wanted it, Dante? Yeah, it seems okay. fine. Okay. Uh, rank four is um, <clears throat> Harvey uh, Volodarsky, 
Uh, so this one in particular, um, Sylvia at this point, uh, she's getting more and more impressed by you and just trying to um, get you all hot and heavy for her. So like she's like the beginning of this fight. She's like, or she's like, she calls you and she's like, I'm getting, you know, rubbed down for our date, uh, oil massage. And you're like a date? Like, and she's like, yeah, I want to take you to the show. And he's like, Travis gets very excited, obviously. And cause he's a horny pervert and, <laughs> and, um, uh, you go to the theater and you and uh, uh, Sylvia, she's dressed up and you meet her there and you're the two, only two in the, the audience. The lights turn on and then this guy pops up and he's a magician. And he's doing all these magic tricks and he he call, he uh, has two assistants with him and he calls for somebody out of the audience to help him with this next trick. And obviously the trick is that the spotlight shines on you so you go up on stage and then your guys' fight basically starts. Uh, shortly after that and um, uh, I think the way that you land the killing blow on him is uh, basically you slice him in his his face so he's blinded and you strap him up to one of his devices and let the device kill him like saw blades or whatever that's supposed to saw him in half Um, the third fight is uh, speed buster and this one is um, you take a bus to get to this person and uh, it ends up being an elderly woman with a shopping cart. And there's these energy blasts that are being uh, she's shooting that basically push you back. And so you have to, like, zigzag up this corridor, dodging the energy blasts that are pushing you back and, like, getting behind cover and fighting other enemies. And then when you get up to her, you basically slice her long-ass, like, cannon in half and um, uh, basically kill her. Uh, I guess the only thing of note is that at this point, your master, which they didn't do, in my opinion, do a good enough job of like creating this, showcasing this relationship, but your master was the gym leader, the leader of that gym. So like when you first get there, your master's like, go to, you're like, master, what are you doing? And he's like, hold off, I, I got her, I got her, I'll, I'll handle this. And she ends up killing your master. And so you're like salty about that. But, um, uh, so yeah, you uh, you kill uh, Speedbuster. Um, the second ranked fight is against Bad Girl, who is uh, an alcoholic uh, young chick uh, that lives, I guess, in the basement of the baseball stadium. And she's basically she, she's not even an assassin; she's like a psychopath. And so like she's basically her hobby is murdering dudes that are dressed up in like BDSM gear. Um, with their baseball bat. She's basically using them for batting practice and everything. And she is dressed up like as a schoolgirl, I guess, a cutesy. Like, I don't even know how you describe it. She's like wearing anime girl clothes, anime schoolgirl clothes. Yeah, she's like Harley um, Quinn. Sure, sure. Um, but she. she think she t- was a parody of Princess Peach. Okay. I didn't know that. Really? Like which aspect? With the pink dress and like blonde hair and how they did it, like oh, I thought it I was could be wrong with that. Of, of Harley Quinn, but because the baseball bat and just her, yeah, her, her demeanor, being able to like fake tears and then trick you into yeah. Um. Uh. So you fight her, and um. Then the last fight, you meet this person named Dark Star in this woods that you you. The woods are called the build, uh, bewildering forest, and they operate very similarly to the um, the lost uh, the lost woods in Zelda, where you have to do the exact correct route, otherwise you just keep teleporting to the beginning. Um, 
and uh, you're getting aided in this by the ghost of your master. So he's like pointing you in the direction you need to go. But uh, there's this guy. He basically he has this huge metal suit like of armor on with this mask, and you're like, I don't even know who you are. And then he's like, I'm Darkstar. I'm your father. And then he takes off his mask. You're like, you don't remember me? He's like, no, I don't remember you. And then you see uh, that Travis has like a um, flashback in his head to his uh, murder of his parents. Um, uh, You know, they were both murdered. And um, he's like, but do you remember who did it? Do you remember who did it? And he's like thinking, he's like, no, I can't remember the face. He's like, think harder, think harder. And then you just see him like thinking of a girl. And for whatever reason, instead of the face, the thing that he's zooming in on is her boobs. This is Travis. And um, then at some point you see like a silhouette of her. And then the guy basically is sliced in two. And then the real first person arrives is Gene. And she basically um, fights you. And she's like the only person that does like hand-to-hand combat. She's very much like a... I don't even know what the fighting style is, but she, um, you fight her and then once you, uh, kill her or, you, um, let me rephrase that. She has an opening dial, uh, opening, uh, what do you call it? Monologue where she kind of is like, I have all the reason in the world. And then she's like, I'll tell you, but, uh, it'll be too slow. Or this is the part where she breaks the fourth wall. And she says like, it'll take too long and it'll bore the players and we, we won't see that. And then Travis is like, well, we can just fast forward through that. So then you see that the game kind of like fast forward. So them two are having a conversation, but you have no idea what's going on. And it's not till if you go, um, on YouTube, you can watch people that basically recorded this section of the game and then slowed it down in order to watch it. And basically her story, I'm guessing, I know me, Trevor, and Dante watched it, but did you watch it, Greg? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. So basically her story is is that she is Travis's forgotten half-sister. And so um, basically his, his mom and dad uh, were, his dad got with her mom and didn't take care of them and hit her I don't remember what happened to her mom but she died and so he was the sole provider for the sister for Jean and so he had her holed up in like a hotel or whatever and he would just go over there and molest her and so like she had a pretty traumatic upbringing so her revenge was basically like oh, I'm the forgotten person and you are taking advantage of me and just, like, treating me poorly, so I'm going to kill you. And she, you know, kills his his wife, too. Um, and I don't know why. I don't think she says why she leaves Travis alive, but um, he is left alive and just discovers, you know, the aftermath, sees her and discovers the aftermath of that. Uh. <clears throat> the other thing, I, there was something I forgot, though. Um, when you were leading up to, I think it was right before the third fight, uh, you get a message that says that Sylvia, don't, don't try to follow me or something like that. Don't, 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 Sylvia sends it to Travis that don't try to follow me. I'm going to be gone. And so he doesn't hear anything from her. So he's like really weirded out and she's been leaving him these, he's been getting business cards or something from her. So he ends up calling the number finally before the first fight. And then you hear an older woman on the phone and she's like, hello, who is this? And he's like, hey, is this Sylvia? And he's like, no, this is her mother. How can I help you? And he's like, um, I'm trying to get to the 
I'm trying to get a hold of the UAA or whatever. And she's like a long pause. And she's like, she scammed you too. You're not the first one. And, and basically like Sylvia has this, she's a con artist. And basically um, she tricks people into doing things, I guess. It doesn't, like, I, I, it, do, it doesn't lead me to believe that it's always been about killing people. But she just like cons people into doing things you know, that just for her own sick enjoyment or whatever. Um, so he's like, what do you mean? Like, she told me that we would do it. And, you know, like, what about the UAA and all that? And then the mom is like, well, like, are you going to quit? Because all you need to do is go to the castle and kill the number one, which is very weird to me, too, that she knew about this stuff or whatever. But um, he ends up like, yeah, like, I'm going to see it through because I'm going to get with her or whatever. And... um yeah, so you um, fast forward again. So you you're you're fighting Jean, and you end up uh, uh, cutting off her hand and just cutting up the rest of her body after you kill her. And um, that after that battle, you get the option to return to the to just the open world to see the ending or see the real ending. And so. Um, the regular ending is uh, Travis is back in his bathroom at his motel and he's saving, he's using the bathroom and then somebody cuts down his door uh, to challenge Travis who's now the number one assassin to a fight and basically the game ends with Travis looking super surprised and caught off guard. And then the true ending, which I think you can only get if you've purchased all the swords um it's just the same ending, except for the guy, um, uh, instead of it cutting to the credits, the guy gets cut in half, and he gets cut in half by Henry, and, um, uh, Henry, and Henry's like, hurry up, dude, you finish what you're doing, and then come meet me outside, and then they basically get in the fight in the parking lot of the motel, and then this is playable, so U.S. Travis fight um, uh, Henry in the parking lot. And after you beat him, it's revealed that Travis is, uh, or Henry is Travis's twin brother. And um, Travis is like, or Henry is super surprised that uh, Travis didn't figure this out sooner. And then it's also revealed that um, Henry has been married to Sylvia for 10 years and that she had no intention of ever sleeping with Travis. And then they uh, keep talking. They're like, at this point, they're, they have their swords locked. And they're just running up the street talking to each other with swords locked. And um, then they have some type of uh, pushback. So they're, you know, on opposite sides of the screen. And it's like a side-scrolling. And then they're on either side. And they run at each other. And they swing swords. And the game kind of goes to like a... Rocky 3S kind of ending where they're clashed and then it's a freeze frame and it's like zooming out and then you see that it's actually like a photo and then you see that Sylvia is standing in front of the photo and she uh, a, a little girl, excuse me, a blonde little girl is standing in front of the photo uh, it's like at a museum or whatever and then you see Sylvia who is adult Sylvia walks up to the little girl and then she says come on Jean it's time to go and then um, she, uh, Sylvia makes, this is another fourth wall breaking thing, but she kind of uh, 
um, makes a note to the player. She's like, I bet you didn't think her name was Jean, did you? And then she was like, too bad there won't be a sequel. And then the game goes to the credits. And that's the end of the the game. The, the true ending. So there's a lot there. <laughs> a lot and a little. It's like everything is like packed into the end of the game. And also it's just so nonsense. That's the point. I know, I know. But I, I think it like... It does a like it does its job because it's like oh I'm I'm intrigued now I want to see what's going on after this even though I don't necessarily like the game itself it's just like I need to see what's going on with the story now you know that was my takeaway when I read that I was like uh let me see what's going on yeah I'm assuming none of us saw the true ending because I'm assuming none of us upgraded or got all the sword. Nah, when I saw how much the, it it cost, I yeah, was like, was "Yeah, like nah, half a million yeah. or something like that." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, nah." I'm good. I thought about it. I, I I was like, I told my because I bought, I was gonna buy all the clothes in the game, but then like, I, I didn't realize that every time you beat uh, a thing, you would unlock more clothes. So like, I had bought all the clothes um, the first two times, and I was like, "Man, these clothes are getting more and more expensive." And I was just like, "You know what? F that." So then like, in hindsight, it's like if I hadn't bought as much clothes as I bought. I could have used that to buy that beam sword, and I, but I, I, I'm okay with having watched the uh, the trailer or the the somebody else do it because ain't no way I was gonna like I don't even know if the fight with Henry was hard, but I wasn't trying to do another boss fight. So yeah, I think <laughs> when, was not that fun when I got to rank two. Uh, I think the last fight's like five hundred fifty thousand, and like I had uh, maybe like two eighty or something like that, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Ain't no way I'm gonna I'm gonna get that much money to buy this. Then have to build up five fifty to go do the final fight. I'm like, nah. Was there what was what was the anything particular story wise that you wanted to comment on, Dante? Because I know, um, nah. I okay. think I'm good. Okay. Um, did you have anything, Trevor? Story wise that you wanted? To... I don't think so. Okay. It was it was just the ending. I was gonna get y'all's takes on it, um, as far as whether or not y- y'all were satisfied with it. I'm not mad at it. I guess. Uh, yeah, like uh, you go. No, I was I was gonna say it no, wasn't I was, like I was, was expecting like too much I'm more out of it. To be honest, too. like given the, given the um, um, let's say. Let's say the care that they've used for the narrative throughout the game. I'm not too mad at how they ended it. It kind of is what it is. Going back to Marcus's thing about like there being a lot of one-time gags, them throwing that much exposition in the last like 10 minutes of the game was one of those. So I don't think they were trying to sell you on like the end or trying to make a quote unquote good ending so to speak it was just kind of another one of their things where they're like oh well we can get another one of these jokes in I honestly this game to me it felt like they definitely wanted to have a second game made whereas like I think that the game itself would have been like if you play this game and it ended like the way that we think it's was heading like sure like game's over but the way they did it was like, oh, like people are going to talk about this, remember this. And I felt like it was a slick way to guarantee that they were going to get a sequel. Even like mentioning it and stuff. So like, they, I feel like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> you know? 
Like, all these fools are going to eat this up. Um, and speaking of the sequel, uh, oh, we before, talked about our... go ahead. Before you go yeah. into the sequel, just to, to go back to the ending, um, what was the cleaner's name from Killer7? The black guy? Gar- Garcian Smith, I think. Did any of y'all was think it? that was him busting in the door while you were on the toilet at the end? I didn't even think about it that. It looked like him, but but it actually the guy has a he, he has a name. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, the guy's name is um like Well, I know it's not him, but Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought I thought that too. But then and especially too, because I was thinking like, hey man, I got a job for you or whatever, you know? Like mm. that would have been cool. Like Honestly, it would have been it would be cool if there was like a I know they only made one killer seven, but like if they had uh brought in Travis as one of the personalities or whatever. But I do feel like so, go ahead. I was gonna say on the No More Puros wiki, they say Ermin Palmer's homage to Emir Park Rayner from Killer Seven. Since the character is legally owned by Capcom, this may be the only way Amir could appear. I thought it was Garshin. Uh, the the thing I that know. I wanted to say that I held close to my chest uh, earlier was that this game kind of reminds me of like not in the gameplay or anything, but just like the legacy. It's like. Assassin's Creed, where it's like it has really good ideas. The first one, the first Assassin's Creed, it has really good ideas, but it took some fine tuning for them to get to the ideal game. And I feel like this game has like enough to go off of that more fine tuning would obviously happen because they came out with a second game and they're coming out with a third game to kind of, I think, hit what the idealized version of this game is, if that makes any sense. Because I, I I enjoyed the first Assassin's Creed. It, it had like cool idea of like oh you got to you know these targets, but there was the monotonous stuff beforehand where you had to get a certain reputation in the city, um, and then a lot of the different parts of the city cities um, the, the it was the same side missions that you do in just different cities. It was, so it was very repetitive outside of the main missions. Um, I will say that this game is a little bit more repetitive because it has the same format where I feel like there was a little bit more fun, like kind of choose your own adventure style in Assassin's Creed, even in the first mm. one that uh, this game didn't. Mm. Well, I mean, like how, yeah. I, I, I'm saying like how you get to some, how you get to a guy, maybe not the way you kill him or whatever, but like, and it, and it probably gets better later where you can make it look like it was an accident or you can just kill a person in combat or you can like just run up to him and shank, you know, like this game is like you fight this person and you're fighting him this way. And I feel like at least even in the first Assassin's Creed, you had like a couple of different options, but maybe I'm tripping because it has been a while since I played that game. Yeah, I'm trying to think I, back to my experience yeah, with Assassin's Creed and I was like, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if, if I even did that much in it as far as like changing up how I you know approached every uh, every mission. I guess you. Uh, I guess I guess it's like Dishonored where you can choose to choose violence and kill everybody leading up to the target, or you can sneak around them. Whereas I feel like well, now this- we're we're switching genres at this point. Sure. So it would be kind of more applicable to go to like a Devil May Cry or a Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. With how you fight, like the combat. 
Sure, sure, sure. Uh, well, I guess ultimately what I was trying to say is that I feel like this game is like there are good ideas in this game, and I think that they would be fleshed out and presumably would be fleshed out in later games, similar to Assassin's Creed. Like the the idea was good, and then it just got fine tuned and refined in later iterations. And what I was going to say is with the sequel, uh, I just pulled up like some of the differences. Um, some of the things that they tweaked. So uh, the sequel came out in 2010. So uh, it came. It was set three years after the conclusion of the first game. Um, and uh, you're in now. The you're in revenge for the killing of Bishop, who is your best friend, and he is the person that runs Beefhead Videos, the guy that you rent m- movies from, and. Um, this time, uh, I get it. This, um, you, you kill Bishop, so this uh, game is a parody of um, Juice. Juice. No. <laughs> I see what they're. I see where they're going with this. And um, this time, you start off at rank uh, fifty-one, um, but you're not taking everybody down in front of you because I think uh, I think the way it says is many ranked assassins are killed by off-screen characters and stuff like that. And there are, um, I think they say Henry and Shinobu are playable characters in this game. Sylvia is also in this game. Um, and then they just reference some of the characters in the previous game. So like, uh, in the first game, that first character you, you fight in the, um, cut scene is Helter Skelter. And so the first fight in this game is Skelter Helter, who is his brother. Um, but, uh, anyway, some of the differences or things they did was, um, the main objective remains to earn enough cash in order to enter, uh, for the next battle. And you can still have the open world part with the motorcycle and destroy, um, drive around to different locations and sent to destroy. But one of the biggest challenges is like the way you make money is now through like eight bit mini games. And so instead of doing like menial tasks and stuff, like you're still doing things like catching coconuts and like you're flipping burgers, but you're doing it in like actual like eight bit mini games. Um, uh, side jobs are also the only way to make money in the game, but ranked matches no longer require entrance fees, so your money is only spent on clothes, training at the gym, and getting beam new beam katanas. So like that's the main thing that they adjusted. Um, and then some combat stuff, but I think the just seeing the the open world stuff being tweaked and stuff was like a direct um, addressing your guys's critique on the parody that is their open world. Did I do it right? Does uh, does anybody have any interest in playing the sequel? If they haven't, I do, I do, I do. I hate that I do, but I do. The, and I think the reason why I do is that this game is also on the Switch. And because they have later this year, No More Heroes 3 is coming out August 27th. So I'm like, you know what? There's only three games or three main entry games in this series. And the third one's about to come out. So I might want to be, be like, okay, what's going on with this? The other thing, though, is uh, there is a, another game in the series called... Uh, there was a spinoff called No More Heroes World Ranker, which was an Android and iOS game, but it was in Japan only, and you created your own assassin and completed missions by killing assassins to rank up. But 
the game was removed from the servers. And then um, there was also Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, which came out in 2019. It was just a Switch game. And it was like a side uh, game. It's a top-down. Yeah, top-down perspective yeah. instead of the third person. And you fight Badman, who is the father of Bad Girl, who is the second assassin in the first game. But uh, so I, I watched the trailer for it, but um, basically he sneaks up on Travis and is like gonna a- a- attack him. Travis is like he has a video game going on, and he thinks the the guy thinks he's about to attack Travis. Then he goes to swing, and then you hear a toilet flush, and Travis comes out from the back room from behind him, zipping up his pants, and he's like, "What the hell?" And then for whatever reason, the video game console gets possessed and sucks them into the the video game and so there's a lot of um uh references to other video games and and whatnot in that game i guess it's a parody on video games i mean that seems pretty obvious but i do have some go backs okay so the um ermin palmer guy i was talking about and amir park park rayner Apparently, Park Rainer was like, I haven't played Killer7, but I guess the previous version of Garcia and Smith or something like that. Does that make oh, any sense? Yeah. He was the. Ver- they show him having three eyes? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. So there was that. And um, the other one I had, or the other point I had was so Helter Skelter and a couple of the normal No More Heroes 2. Boss fights actually show up in the PS3 version of this game. So in between the assassination missions, when you go back to your apartment, Travis will be on the toilet and it's like catch some Z's. And you do that and it takes you to this like wrestling arena. And during these wrestling arena moments, I think most of the bosses come from No More Heroes 2. Some of them I'm not. I assume they can't they can't all be from it because I think there's almost one after every single mission but you fight Helter Skelter um you fight the rank 2 person whose name I forget she has I'm not going to spoil it cuz nobody's played no more heroes 2 other than me and there's like two or three other Supposedly. ones I checked that I mean allegedly yeah. I I do remember the 8-bit mini games though specifically I remember that and I remember the new trainer that you get at the gym so there are little bits and pieces of No More Heroes 2 that apparently I remember. Gotcha. Um, so I looked up some of the, the things also that the PS3 version had. And so the PS3 version supports PlayStation Move, so you could play the game like how it originally was meant to be played, like or how it was played on the Wii. So in case you wanted the motion controls. Um, they also uh, had optional, they added optional Japanese language voiceovers. They, they added so that the difficulties in this game were sweet and mild. Um, sweet being the easy, I guess, and mild being the normal. I'm assuming, what what, what difficulty? We never asked, but what difficulty did you guys select? Uh, I played mild. I played mild, mild as well. Mild. Dang, I chose sweet. I should have picked mild because a lot of the combat was trivial. And then when you beat the game, then they unlock uh, the harder one, which is called bitter. I guess that's the hard mode. I don't know if there's like an expert or anything, but it looks like in PS4 or PS3 version or the, let me rephrase that. In the 
uh, No More Heroes, Heroes Paradise version, they have a new mode called Very Sweet Mode, which changes all the female characters' costumes into sexier forms. So they're like in cheerleader costumes and lingerie and bikinis, which is parodying Dead or Alive, apparently. This is just me saying that. Um, And then those who pre-ordered the game in Japan received a set of pictures entitled Erotica Portrait along with the game. And um, they're just sexy, a collection of sexy portraits. I don't know of what because it doesn't specify. (laughs) But the PS3 owners received the sexy cherry flavor while the Xbox 360 users received. And um, then additionally what uh, Dante had said about... Um, I don't think we... I think we covered a lot. I think we covered it all. Do you guys have any questions? Any last words? Because if not, Trevor, great game? Great experience? It's a fine game, fine experience. Okay. Would you Would you play... Would you be down for No More Heroes 2? If we were playing it for the podcast, I would, but on my own, I probably won't. I don't know. It, okay. it just... Because... It, it, everything else about the game felt like a chore like outside of the combat and and finding the bosses uh yeah uh i don't want to get into that again okay well they got rid of all that stuff or at least made it optional it's true um greg great game great experience um i'll say good game uh, I don't. What I'll say, great experience. Um, I already have bought the second game, so I'll probably start that up tonight. To be honest, so if that, uh, if that speaks like you can put on the list. <laughs> if that speaks to like how much I, I guess I enjoyed this. So okay, okay. Uh, Dante, great game, great. Oh wait, actually, before. Uh, so Greg, are you? So you're happy that you revisited this game then? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember even why initially. I mean, I stopped playing a lot of games because of fighting games, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's why I bounced off it. It wasn't anything about the quality of the game per se. It probably was just I was just playing fighting games and just never got around to actually putting a dent into it. So yeah, I'm glad that I actually played it this time. Dante, great game, great experience. It's a mediocre game, I'd say good experience overall are you gonna go back to the second game or are you waiting for the third i kind of feel like a crazy man right now and i kind of have to prove to myself that i played that game so i might actually try to play it (laughs) gotcha gotcha and i'll say for me it was a parody game and a parody experience and i would be down for the second game I guess. I, I think I'm with Trevor, though. I, I think I... It's like, part of me is like, I'm maybe a little bit more curious than Trevor, because I'm like, what's what's good with the third game? Because I've read about the second game already. Um, but, like, I, I just, how I am, I would I would have to play the second game before I messed around with the third game, so... I think I would definitely play it if we did it on the podcast, but I don't know if there would be as much of a, a rush... Cause I'm not, I don't really have the greatest track record of playing sequels to games that we played on my own time. So, <laughs> well, yeah, this was a long episode. So we had, we had a lot to say, a lot to get off our chest, but yeah. Uh, where can people find you at Greg? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at boombox hero on, on YouTube on at 
YouTube. YouTube.com slash C slash Magnegro and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Magnegro with a zero instead of O. I don't know why I forgot that. (laughs) Where can people find you at, Dante? People can find me at twitch.tv slash AwakenCloud. Trying to think about what I'm streaming right now. Um, I'll finish up Sonic Adventure 2 probably before this gets posted, but I'm also doing Dishonored 2. So. Where can people find you at, Tata Trevor? You can find me on the internet at Lyric Unsung. And uh, you stream anything? Um, I may stream Sekiro. I say you should stream our next game. Uh, I may do it just for laughs. For you laughs or for you to get laughed at? For me to get laughed at. I already know I'm going to be bad at this game. The same. <laughs> I'm going to be bad and jumpy. Can't wait. It's um, not a horror game, I promise. Hey, when I Google it, people are saying it's the, sc- or it's the scariest one in the series. It has its moments. I probably won't get to him to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get far in this game, not for lack of trying. Just I just think I'm going to be game. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Potato Salad, and you can find us at Twitter at M Checkpoints and on Miss Checkpoints. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, do you guys have anything else? I was going to say, have we? If you like to formally on, on the podcast at what our next classic in the game in, comment on our Facebook page, add us on Twitter, leave us a review, preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can appear. Did you ask some Dante? I saw you doing the hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I was just asking, have we formally said on the podcast what our next four games were? Your next set I of games. I thought I did, but I, we can go over them again. So we did No More Heroes for May, which was the very first one of this new batch. Next month is Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. That'll be for June. Then July, we have a two-parter. Are we doing... Which one are we doing first, Trevor? Trevor? We can play Raji. I was going to say on the calendar. Yeah, we can play Raji first. So, yeah. So, uh, for July, we'll be playing Raji and Ancient Epic and Hyperlight Drifter. And then in August, we'll be playing... And I think... I think I need to step up and choose a bonus game because it's my turn to choose a bonus game. So I'm, we, we might have a bonus game in the pipeline during that time frame too. So be on the lookout for that. But uh, yeah, with that, we're Miss Checkpoints of the